Asked me if I was going to sit back down and do some more. Amen. How many thank God today you're His if you've been to the cross and you've been born again? That old song, Casting Crowns, wrote many years ago, touched my heart because I. It speaks of the grace of God. And I can't testify for you. But I can testify for this young man right here. God's been merciful and graceful to me. And I remember times when I needed his touch. And he was always there for me. How many knows the Lord will always be there for you? I remember the time when I was lost and undone without him, backslidden and on my way to a devil's hell. But God loved me so much that he didn't show up on my doorstep to condemn me. He showed up on my doorstep to love me. Amen. And he could have made a long list of all the things I had done wrong and all the things that uh, that I had failed him in. But you know what he did? He just showed up and he said, he said, I know it all anyway. I just want to love you and I just want to let you know that I can, I, I, my grace can turn this thing around in your life and I'll cleanse you and I'll make you new. How many is grateful for that today? Amen. God, God just wants to love you. He just, he just wants to minister to your life in a very special way. This morning, I want to speak to you for a few moments. I won't keep you long. Uh, Brother Zeb asked me with all the ministers here today, Bishop Dole and uh, Dr. Dan with us today. We, we, it was suggested that we tag team. Amen. I've only done that once in my life, but I'll be willing to do it if God gets in the middle of it. But we're so grateful to have Dr. Dan and his wife, Sister Gwen, with us today. We're grateful for them and all the times that they come and share and fill in with us. We appreciate them, love them so much. Been very, very busy lately, uh, and so we don't get to come very often. So I was excited when he said, unless something happens, I will see you this Sunday. And uh, it's an honor to have them with us today. If you will turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 10, uh, I'm not going to ask you to stand this morning because uh, it's kind of a lengthy scripture that I want to share with you. And before I read it, I want to say this, and I posted this on Facebook. God put it deep in my heart, and I want you to get it in your spirit. What God is doing, somebody say that with me, what God is doing is far more important than you can imagine. Amen. Why would you say that? What does that mean, preacher? What does that mean? That means because sometimes if we're not careful, we become complacent with church. We become complacent with the cross. We become complacent. It doesn't mean we don't believe. We just, we just become complacent to it, cold to it. And so we run the risk of not really understanding how important the work of God is. Whether it's in the church or whether it's in the streets, whether it's in your home, whether it's in the communities, wherever it may be, the work of God is important. And because Jesus lives, the work of God is relevant in sharing the gospel. Amen. 
If it had not been, I'm still I'm still hyped up about last week. Last week, how many enjoyed the service last Sunday, Easter Sunday morning? What a wonderful what a wonderful presence of God. But because He lives, the gospel can be preached. It's not futile. Paul said this. But then also, because He lives, we can face tomorrow. And we can face it with our heads held high. And what God is doing even now, even though you may be in a place maybe where you're just kind of complacent to it, maybe don't see it, but what God is doing right now is more important in your life and in his church than you can imagine. In Hebrews chapter 10, the word of God declares, for the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. For then they would have not ceased to be offered. For the worshipers once purified would have no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood, listen to this, it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Let me stop right there for a minute. It's not possible that grandmama can take you to heaven. It's not possible that church going alone can get you there. It's not possible that all the money in the world that you may make can give you a ticket to eternal life. Skip on down to verse 11. Every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. Listen to that again. I want to read that one more time. Every priest stands ministering daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But this man, somebody shout Jesus. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. This man, Jesus and because he is at the right hand of God, let me talk to somebody for a minute. You can fade that out. I think I'm just going to preach right now. Uh, you can just uh, uh, think about this for a minute. Let's go back to the cross. Let's go back to the moments before he died. And let's think about what the Bible said took place. Uh, and during the time of the Old Testament and sacrifices, uh, uh, they would come year after year and they would bring bulls and goats and, and, and they would present them as sacrifices to the priest. The priest would take them and, and they would perform the, the ceremony and the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies uh, where the Ark of the Covenant is, where the mercy seat of God was at and he would uh, take, to, take the, the sacrifice in to atone uh, for the sins of those people. 
people. But just before Christ died on the cross, the Bible said that darkness overtook the earth and that the earth began to shake and that the temple, amen, was shaken and the veil was torn in two. And as he died there on that cross that day, something began to shift. The transition began to take place because the blood of bulls and goats would not be sufficient and have never been sufficient to cover and to wash away their sins. But now the Lamb of God, whom God had prepared to die for the sins of the world, and that includes you and me today, has by his sacrifice caused the veil to be torn in two. Amen to God and given us an invitation not just to the outer courts but to the holy of holies in the presence of God where he dwells. Amen to God with you and me. He today has become the high priest of our faith. And the word declares that he lives forevermore. I got to say it again because the veil was torn. That day he gave his life. They took him and buried him in old borrowed tomb. But on the third day he got up. He been from that grave and he lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives today. He's not just a figment of my imagination. He's not just a good story to tell. He's not just something that I use to make me feel good about myself. The power of what he did on the cross has changed my life and it can change your life today. Hallelujah, I feel him in this place. I didn't think, didn't mean to preach like this. I was just going to teach today. Oh, thank God today he lives. Look at somebody around you and say, he lives. He's not in a barred tomb, he lives. It wasn't just days later, 40 days later, he ascended. He made up into the clouds, and as they were watching him ascend, the angels looked around and said, listen, he made, why stand ye here gazing? I want to tell you that this same one you see ascending shall descend. And I'm telling you all this for a reason, because there's some things that God has placed in my heart. You better believe is just as real as he died on the cross. He rose from the dead, and he he ascended into heaven, he's coming back again. And he's coming back again to fulfill the victory in which we have in him. Come on, somebody. Look around your neighbor and tap him on the hand and say, Jesus, will return. Hey, man, are you ready today? But because he lives... Because he lives, in verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 10, uh, we find something that is very, very important to uh, our nature and how we should respond uh, unto what Christ has done. Amen. Uh, before, I, before I read that, I just thought about something. I see, you know, this gospel has the power to redeem fallen humanity. The price has been paid. 
And all you got to do is get on board. I was thinking about, as my wife was talking, she was trying to preach my sermon. I'm just picking. But how many knows I do not like airplanes? Personally, I don't want to fly in them. I've never flown in one. But I know potentially that airplane has the potential to get me where I want to go. But as long as I don't get on that airplane, it's never going to take me where it can take me. Amen. My wife flew just a few years ago. She flew to California, and she wanted me to go, and I used the kids for an excuse. I did not want to go to California on an airplane. But the potential was there for it to get me where I needed it to take me. But I had to get on board. Well, friend, I want to tell somebody today that because of what Christ did on the cross of Calvary, he has become our vehicle and our transportation to eternal glory. The Bible said he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can get to the Father except by the Son. But if you never accept Christ and what he did on the cross, if you never surrender your life to him and allow him to save you, you'll never get on that transportation vehicle that has been prepared to deliver you into eternal glory with our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, the Bible said, uh, and this is why we can do this. He said, therefore, somebody say, therefore, because of what Christ has done. Therefore, uh, brethren, let us have boldness and enter to the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, listen, let us draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he is faithful who promised. God has never made a promise he's never been able to keep. He promised in generations past before, the, before his son came and died on the cross. Hallelujah. Through the prophets, he sent his word that he was going to send uh, the one who would sacrifice his life for the world. He would come, as Isaiah said, as a lamb to the slaughter, but never would open his mouth, willingly would give down his life for all humanity because of God's love for the world today. Let us hold fast that confession of hope without wavering, for he is faithful who promised. But then verse 24 and 25 is what really jumped out in my spirit today, and I want to share with you because I, I know that we always talk about and we preach and we should. We're reaching out to the lost, and maybe there's someone here today, you haven't accepted Christ as your personal Savior. This message is still for you, but I want us to, to, to understand that what God has, has called me 
to come and to share with you today is concerning the brethren, concerning those who are of the body of Christ and how we should be navigating through the course of our hope and our faith today. In verse 24, it said, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. In these two verses, there are three things that God had just begun to just rise up in my spirit that I felt like was something very powerful and something that is very needful for the church today because as Sister Angie said, we're living in a nasty world. We're living in a messed up society. We're living in an upside down society. It doesn't matter. It was upside down before they started a satanic after school program. Amen. Uh, this ain't nothing new. Uh, we, we just see things happening everywhere, and I know uh, that it's alarming, but there's a whole lot of things alarming uh, in the society that we live in. And because we live in society, even to God, then, then that society and that mindset sometimes uh, uh, in our lives as we're making our journey, uh, we, we are, 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 are exposed to it. And then not only are we exposed to it outside the church, but sometimes uh, we're exposed to it in inside the church, and you have people with a, a messed up mentality that will come sometimes in the church, and our hope is that they will hear the truth, and they will hear the gospel, and that their lives will change, but because of that, sometimes it, it, it begins to influence the church people in negative ways, and if we're not careful, the things that the enemy has set forth as an attack to us individually will come to attack our church too, and I want to ask somebody. Is there somebody today that said, this is where God sent me to worship, and I want to do everything I can to let it be the best church that it can be in the name of Jesus? How many are thankful for the house of worship where God has called you to? How many are thankful for your brothers and sisters in Christ? How many are thankful today that that God is guiding us and, and he is leading us. So it's important to, as we think about all the nasty things and all the, the weapons of the enemy that come uh, to try to hinder us and to hinder the work of the church uh, that Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 says three things, actually two things, and then 25 says the third. The first thing is let us consider, let us consider. Uh, in other words, to consider one another or to discern the spirit of another or to be concerned about one's well-being and that we personally have a desire to, to help them along the journey in whatever way we can help them. In other words, in a nutshell, we must consider one another and essentially we're saying this, that those of the household of faith should matter to you. Amen? Those of the household of faith should matter to you. We must consider one another in the sense that not only is God going to care for us, 
But God is going to work through each other to care for each other. Amen. When we come to the house of God, we ought to be excited about seeing our brothers and sisters in Christ. It ought to bring joy in our spirit when we see them walk up. And if we're discerning or considering what we can say to them or what we can, we can do to help them along life's journey, then we must come with a positive outlook of encouragement in order to speak to their lives something that is going to lift them up. How many senior brothers and sisters sometimes, they get down because we're living in a nasty world? Sometimes they're under the pressure of life. and Sometimes they're under the pressure of things you don't know anything about. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what's happening in their home. You don't know what's happening on their job. But they still made it to church. Sometimes just putting a smile on. Amen. Trying to cover up the tears. But when you're considering one another. Amen. And asking God to help you discern your brothers and sisters so that you'll know what to deposit in their ears and in their spirit that is going to help them along life's journey. Amen. How many knows that it's God's will that we care for one another in such a way that we don't show up to judge, but we show up to lift in the name of Jesus. We must have compassion, amen, for our brothers and sisters in Christ in such a way that it helps us that we be able to discern because we care for them. How many I asked earlier care for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you truly care? Because if you care, you'll look beyond the faults and see their needs. If you truly care, amen, you'll show up with a smile on your face and a welcoming spirit considering one another for the glory of God. Then number two, he said not only consider one another, but he said to stir up one another. This is the crux of my message today. What are you stirring up? Amen. There's a whole lot of things getting stirred up, but what are you stirring up? What are you provoking in your considering one another? What are you provoking? What are you stimulating in the hearts and lives of your brothers and sisters in Christ? The Bible tells us that we are to stir up two things, love and good works. And a brother and sister in Christ shouldn't come to the house of God to assemble and leave feeling unloved. <laughs> Glory to God. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? We should not come to the house of God and leave feeling unloved. We should feel loved. We shouldn't come to the house of God and assemble and leave not being stimulated to do good works. How many has come to church beat down, but by the time you got to the house of God and you assembled with God's people, there were many of them that were considering one another and encouraging one another, whether through the word of God or individually as we worship the songs. All that God was doing in the assembly was stimulating you, and when you 
you left, you may have come with the wrong mindset, but you left with a mindset to give good works unto God and to live, amen, for him consciously again. We got to stir up one another at times. Oh, why, why, why do we need to do this? Because life happens. And there's enough trouble in the street. We don't need it in the church. Amen. There's enough hate in the streets. We don't need it in the church. There's enough drama on TV. We don't need it in the church. There's enough problems in the world. We don't need problems in the church. We ought to have the solution. Amen. And if we don't have the solution, we can find the solution. We've got enough problems in the world. There's enough evil in the world. The one place we ought to be able to gather, amen, and assemble as the body of Christ. And we don't need to assemble in an atmosphere where discord is being sown. Get mad if you want. I'm going to preach it. Preach the truth. What are you stirring up? Well, see, pastors know a lot of things they can't say. They just say, uh, I like to say that was on Facebook. Sometimes say, you just got to, just got to sometimes don't say anything, don't speak anything. Just let the Lord fight your battles. Amen. And that's right. Absolutely right. But there's a whole lot of things that hinder the work of God within the church that should not be. And the writer said that there are two things that are our responsibility in coming together in the assembly that are very important in stirring. And that is to stir up what God loves and not what you want. That is to stir up what will elevate and elevate you and please God, he meant to the Lord, over what you like or what you don't like. Now, I didn't mean to go here, but I'm going to let the Holy Ghost take me because I feel the spirit of his anointing in this place right now. This old preacher boy, I'm about like Tommy Bates. I've about had enough, amen, of, of church, amen, of what the world wants it to be. I'm ready for an authentic move of God. I'm ready for a move of God that will shake the foundations. Glory to God of this generation and my family and my church and my culture. Amen. But there today in the Bible says that we are to stir up. And there's too much junk being stirred up that people need to get to the altar and have God cleanse their tongue and cleanse their heart. Amen. You're a hindrance to the body of Christ today. Oh, preacher, you taking it out on the church today? No. Paul wrote letters, amen, to God that were strong, that were stern. Jesus, amen, to God, dealt with people who didn't have the right mindset, and he had some hard things to say. Well, under the anointing today, let me tell you this. If you want your church to be the church that pleases God, if you want to be the child of God that experiences a move of God, then you've got to guard 
yourself against allowing, amen, any stirring that is not pleasing unto God to come from your vessel and from your spirit. How many say, I want a move of God? I want a move of God. I want to see an all-fitting move of God. I want to see such a move of God. He made that people under the anointing of his presence are running to the altars of prayer because the convicting power of the Holy Spirit is not being, he been grieved, but God is moving and people are responding and lives are being changed. He made they come in and hear a word from God and then turn right back around and hear a brother and sister in Christ say something to stir up something that is not of God. But I want to tell you today, amen, that it's God's will that we lift one another up and quit listening to the drama and quit listening to the gossip and quit stirring up strife. Don't stir up strife. you got a problem with your brother and sister in Christ, go to them. Get it right with them. Don't stir it up amongst the body. Amen. The word said in Proverbs 6, 19, it says a seventh thing which God hates. And you know we can get victory over it because Jesus gave us the victory. Proverbs 6.19 says, God hates six things. I'm not going to read them all, but the seventh is an abomination. Yes, seven are an abomination. It said he hates one who sows discord among the brethren. Well, what is discord? That's anything that does not edify the body of Christ even dealing with problems in life and problems in the church, there is a righteous and godly way to do it. Amen? And the way ain't to get bitter and hateful and disunifying. Me, me, I think it was me and Bishop Doyle were talking the other day and said, what would it have been had people been able to stay in the right mindset and, 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 and serve God the way that he's called them to, what would it have been? You wouldn't be able to hold people in the churches because people would have remained faithful and encouraged. Some people left the church because stuff was stirred up. But if they'd have had the right person speaking into their life, they could have been encouraged. Stir up love and good works. And listen, I, I know you want to be loved, but be faithful to God while you're trying to be loved. I had people walk up. I've even heard, oh, did you hear about so-and-so, so-and-so? Did you hear that? that? Yeah, 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 yeah. And they could have stopped that mess right then. Oh, but they just, 
was afraid to stop it. I had a pastor one time, he come up to me and he said, yeah, he preached a message. He said, after the message, he said, a man come to me and said, brother, that was a great message, but you should have preached so and so, so and so, so and so. Pastor turned around and looked at him. He said, no, sir. He said, if God give it to you, you need to preach it because I preach what God give me. A lot of things could have been avoided if we would understand what we're to be provoking and what we're to be stimulating and what we're to be stirring. We're not to stir up discord, so discord, so stir strife, manipulate the minds of people or, or, or anything or, or to build our own kingdom. But Hebrews 13 and 1 said that brotherly love must continue. And when strife is being stirred up and problems are being stirred up and accusations are being stirred up and hate is being stirred up, this is a hindrance to brotherly love continuing and flowing in the body of Christ. It works against it. Brotherly love is a prerequisite to kindness, compassion, gentleness, forgiveness, and patience. And let me tell you, amen, today that God is wanting from his body, from the body of Christ, not only this church, but every church everywhere is for brothers and sisters not to look down on one another, amen, and not to lift one another up above that which God has done in their life, but to love them and to be kind to them and to be gentle with them and to be patient with them and to be forgiving with them. Amen. And this is what we ought to be stirring up in God's house. Amen. When we come to the house of God and we see a brother or sister with a frown on their face, look over at them and say, you ain't mad with me, are you? Amen. And then just begin to encourage them and let them know you're glad they're here and you're praying for them and you're hoping for their success and you know God's going to bring them through it in the name of Jesus. Whatever it is they're going through in life, I don't need to hear any negativity, amen, and, and problems from the body. I hear enough from the enemy. I need somebody he been to come up in the house of God. Say, I want my, I want the place where God has called me to worship, to be a hospital for the hurting. He been in a place of sap for those that are beaten down in society. Don't let our church be known down the street for some gossip fest. He been. Let our church be known for a place where people feel loved and compassion. Amen. It's poured out on their life. Now, with that being said, I got another hour. Just give me another hour. Just pick it. Just pick it. With that being said, this is important. That being said, churches. 
have been molded all over the, the world into certain stigmas because of things that happened in their church. I'm not talking about Stone Valone. I'm talking about church in general. I didn't come down there. I love Stoneville. How many love Stoneville Pentecostal? I love it. Just preaching what God gave me. Don't go home and say the preacher's mad at our church. No. I'm grateful for what God's doing here. If you can't see it, I pray he'll open your dark eyes that you can see what God is doing. What he's doing is more important than you can imagine. But churches have got stigmas on them. Yeah, that's where Pastor So-and-so used to pastor for years. And, and then, well, bless God, he fell and run off with the secretary and all this. Yeah, you know, that's the place where, amen, the division just wrote they were out. The church was going good. Then all of a sudden it just split right down the middle. Oh, no, 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 stirring up strife, still stirring it up, stirring it up. Yeah, that's where so-and-so was going. He was a deacon on the board. Him and his wife got a divorce. Oh, bless God. And, you know, that person, I called him out smoking cigarettes the other day. They've been going to church, shouting around the altars, but they over there smoking cigarettes the other day. And, amen to God, that ain't your story to tell. Come on, somebody. And, and so a stigma gets placed on a church. And, and well, you know, they used to, they used to have good old-time music, but now they got that new stuff, that new age stuff. And, and, you know, it ain't the same church it used to be. And all these kind of things. And I wish we had, a, had this. Or I wish we had that. Or I, I wish that would have never happened. But the stigma, amen, continues to go on in the conversation. You'll never, don't get me wrong, you'll never be able to stop it, but you can do your part, amen, to press through it. And so with the stigma of church, many people, amen, say, I'm looking for a church in the area. What do you think about so-and-so church? Well, I don't know. You know, I might better just keep my mouth shut. Uh, you just go try it out. Oh, no, no, no. Let me just go ahead and tell you because I feel like you need to know. Yeah. Oh, preacher, what are you getting at? Stigma. The stigma of churches is no more for who pastored them, amen, and the mistakes that happened in them. And truly, God has sent pastors that have been faithful and pastors that fell by the wayside and even problems that come in the church. These things have happened, but you cannot let them define your church. Your church must be defined by presence of his glory, we must go after God in prayer. And even though we got some things happen in our past, we say thank God for his saving grace that carries us through. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Grace for me, but not for thee. No. Grace for everybody. You may know some things about people that are not good. 
but you don't need to share it like the devil would. Lift it in prayer. God will meet you there. I'm a poet and didn't know it. And one day soon, we'll be up in the air, leaving this old world behind. I want to be able to say that before I breathe my last breath, that everything the enemy tried to do to sow discord and stir up strife within the church, that I did my very best to stir up love and good works in the body of Christ today. Galatians 6.10 said, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, but especially them of the household of faith. We should be examples of good works for others to see. And then thirdly, we've talked about considering one another. We've talked about stirring up and what to stir up. Thirdly, let's talk about this. The Bible said in Hebrews 10 and 25, that there were some who had forsaken the assembling of themselves with other believers. Sister Angie alluded to earlier that there are many people that, that don't believe church is important. But the sad fact of the matter is many people, if they don't gather at church, they're not going to gather anywhere. And God instituted the churches that he ordained to serve as a gathering place for his church and for those who were lost and undone without God to be able to hear the message of hope and to be influenced by those who were believers. But there are some things here within this that I want us to see that are very important before we close today. What are we doing when we gather for church? What are we doing? Well, we're going to come and hear the worship team sing. Then after that, the preacher's going to get up and mumble through a message and try to get through it. Then he's going to give an altar call, and then we're going to get to go home, and we can say we've been to church. No. If you've come with the mindset, when you come to God's house, of the program and how it's going to come about and how it's going to unfold being the top priority of your focus, then I want you to change that today. This is where we meet with each other to meet with God in a corporate way. That's what this is. Matthew chapter 18 verse 20 declares where two or three are gathered in my name, there will I be in the midst. God not only wants a relationship with you personally, he wants a relationship with his body, amen, the church. And where we're able to gather, whether it's here and churches everywhere, where Bishop Dole go and fill in, where, Bishop, where, where, where Dr. Dan goes and fills in, these are, are brothers and sisters in Christ. And everywhere they're meeting, they're meeting just like we are to meet with the local body there, but to get in God's presence and allow him to do a work in us not only as individuals but also as a church come on to the piano please we're assembling with believers and even non-believers believers and even non-believers positioning ourselves we come to the house of God 
we come through the doors, we're positioning ourselves to serve. Well, how am I doing that? How am I serving? I don't preach. I don't serve on the usher board. I don't serve, you know, on the greeter team. How am I, how am I serving? Can I tell you how you serve? You serve by walking up to your brothers and sisters in Christ that you have an opportunity to. So good to see you. God bless you. I'm glad you're here. I, I want you to know you're important. Amen. And you know what? Just a handshake today and just a smile on your face and they can feel that genuine love. Let them know they belong here. Each one of you belong here. Amen today. How many believe that? You belong here. You belong here. Well, you know, the preacher gets busy sometimes. So I can't shake everybody's hand all the time. Amen. But, but we're all the body of Christ. So let somebody feel that love. We're here to serve. And then we're positioning ourselves to be served. What better place to be when you're going through or, or, or to have the opportunity to, to be when you're going through some of the most difficult times of your life. Amen. And to think, hey, I can go to church because I know when I get there, somebody's going to smile at me. Somebody's going to make everything I'm feeling seem insignificant. Somebody's going to let me reconnect and feel the love of God flowing in my life again. Somebody is going to say a word to encourage me again. So we position ourselves to serve and to be served, but then we also amen, position ourselves to be a blessing to others. Somebody around you and tell them, you're a blessing to me. You're a blessing to me. I want to be a blessing to you. How can you be a blessing to somebody? By praying for them. By encouraging them. Amen. By walking with them. Just by your presence. And we're positioning ourselves to exhort and be exhorted. All three of these things are important in the exhortation process. To consider one another, to stir up love and good works, and to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Amen. These things threefold produce an encouragement and an exhortation to those around us. So in closing, I want to ask you this. We got work to do, don't we? We got work to do. You can stand with me if you will, please. We got work to do. What is the work we got to do? We got to consider one another. We got to consider one another. Then we've got to stir up love and good works. I don't care what you know. I don't care how long you've known it. I don't care whether it's good, whether it's bad. That's not the point. There was no conditions on what he said. Stir up love and good works. There are going to be some people that come in to the congregation that are lost. And if they're looking for hope, they'll be encouraged and influenced to Christ by the service of the body of Christ. 
if they gather here. We want them to know God is real. God loves them and God cares for them. We've got a job to do. Are you concerned about your brothers and sisters in Christ today? Do you, do you consider them a part of you? What are you stirring up? Is it love and good works? Because that's what we're called to stir. And then are you faithfully assembling and positioning yourself for God to bless your life with the encouragement you need to face your journey? I want to end, end this with this thought. Are you provoking what pleases God? Are you provoking in others what pleases God? You don't have to answer that. But the Bible goes on to say in Hebrews 10 that as that day approaches, this becomes more clear why we need to gather and be faithful in it. In a world that would love for the church to fade away, how many knows God can increase? The church ought to be the strongest factor in the world today. Above government. When they came out of that upper room on, uh, on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the power of God from on high. It did not matter that Rome was in charge and Roman, go Roman government was powerful at that time because the church was the factor of God and the power of God. I don't care what's going on around you. The church is still, the corporate church is still the dominating factor today. How many would say today, preacher, I want to please God? And maybe... You, maybe, maybe you don't have that problem, but maybe you know some folks that do. Loose lips sink ships. Come on, somebody. Cause division. Cause the rudders to get sideways. Cause problems. Hey, maybe you don't have that problem, but you know some who do. You can be the one that turns it around. If a person comes to you with a bunch of negativity and, and everything, there's one thing to discuss something privately, but it's another thing to just spread it from phone number to phone number and from pew to pew. And i got to say that everybody on this side ought to be just as connected to these on this side in love for the body of Christ. Amen? Everybody in every pew ought to love everybody in the building. Glory to God who's part of the body of Christ. I know you can't sit by everybody. And I know you got your favorite place to sit. Amen. But don't let it stop you from loving the body of Christ. I want to provoke in others what pleases God. If that's you this morning, I want you to just lift your hand. I'm not, I'm not lifting your hands, not saying you're guilty or not guilty. It's just saying, I want to please God. I want to please God in all I do. 
I want to be a vessel, amen, that he can work through to stir up and to stimulate as I consider my brothers and sisters in Christ to love and good works, to make the body stronger, to make the body more efficient, and to be an influence into the lives of those who are lost, that when they they experience us in the church or out of the church, they would be influenced by the love and the good works of God. Let your light so shine before men that others may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Father, everyone that's lifted their hand today, I pray right now that you would just begin to let them feel your touch. Let them feel your touch right now, Lord, as a point of their their declaration to you. God, I want to please you. I want to provoke in others what pleases you. I, I want to be a conduit that spreads the love of God and it, that, that causes good works. Lord, to rise up in, in the body of Christ in every vessel that you have saved and that you have prepared for you. Father, I believe this to be your heart. And Father, I pray, God, right now that you would carry us deeper in our relationship with you individually and that you would let us be a church and let every church that represents you be a church that is not defined by the stigma of their past but that is defined by their righteous acts of faith today in provoking others to please you and your presence, Lord. And because Jesus died on the cross, rose again, and is at the right hand of the Father, all these things are possible because you have sent your Holy Spirit to make it possible in our life. Let us not use the excuse that I've struggled all my life. If someone is under conviction, God, for for not stirring up the right things, Lord, let them know you didn't come to, 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 to make a book out of all the wrongs they've done. You come to love them and say, hey, if my grace is good enough for you, it's good enough for these others. And I want you to just do better. I want you to let me use you. I'm not here to just to carry you back and remind you of all you've done wrong, make you feel dirty. I'm here to love you and say, if you'll just surrender to me, I forgive you and, and I'm going to help you. But it's God's love that's going to give us the drive and our love for Him. Fathers, we leave this place today. Let us leave encouraged and encouraging one another. Let us consider one another because the body must take care of each other. You're taking care of us, but we must do our part. And then, Lord, let us stir up things that matter. And, Father, let us share not only 
in our homes, but on our jobs and everywhere we have an opportunity of the goodness of God. And when we gather here again, Lord, let us gather reminded of all the benefits of being here at the appointed time. All the blessings you have for us of being a part of this church. Let us glean from your favor in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Give the Lord a big hand of glory and praise. Look around.